Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 11-20, republished by Irving Risch, host of Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. Practical Reflections from the Life of Abraham. Genesis Chapter 16. On further consideration Genesis Chapter 16 acquires a distinct measure of importance which is not readily discernible to the superficial reader. This is due in no small degree to those gleams of divine light projected in typical language into the sphere of doctrine relating to law and grace as set forth in Galatians. Furthermore, the truth enunciated in this chapter can only become intelligible to us as we view it in the greater and fuller light of the New Testament doctrine, and in this instance, as already mentioned, particularly in the epistle to the Galatians, where the truth of law and grace is authentically defined and authoritatively established and where the Spirit of God refutes the false doctrine of those whom it repudiates in no uncertain terms. It is in this spirit we must interpret Sarai's attitude to Hagar, where it is said, and Sarai oppressed her, and she fled from her face. Hagar, as the bondwoman, is typical of the legal system, which is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem which is now, for she is in bondage with her children, Galatians chapter 4 verse 25. What is of the world, what is legal and genders to bondage, all partakes of one character, and as such cannot be tolerated in the presence of Sarai, the free woman, who is typical of the heavenly Jerusalem. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is our mother. To continue the language, Paul, in writing to the Galatians, declares with a deep sense of urgency, cast out the maid servant and her son. For the son of the maid servant shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not made servants children, but children of the free woman, Galatians chapter 4 verse 30 and 31. Paul will have none of Hagar, the bondwoman. The foregoing remarks, while anticipating much that has to be mentioned, are explanatory of the Apostle's attitude regarding that which is a grievous perversion of the glorious truths of Christianity, and in this, as in all other things, we would do well to be his imitators. Does it not appear at the beginning of chapter 16 that Abram had failed to benefit from the great lessons of the previous chapters? Otherwise it would be right to conclude that he would have been preserved from the course he takes here to secure what was bound up in God's infallible promise to him. Apart from the fulfillment of the promise regarding the coming of Isaac, the true seed in whom the promise reposed, nothing of all that lay in the heart of God, relative to these wonderful purposes could have their fulfillment, in Isaac, shall a seed be called to thee, Genesis chapter 21 verse 12. Another consideration, very solemnizing to the saint who is truly exercised, concerning the path of separation from the world presents itself to us in this chapter. What takes place here is, but the fruit of Abram's brief sojourn in Egypt, for the Egyptian maid servant becomes a snare to him. In the previous chapter, God had shown to Abram that the true seed would be a heavenly seed and that he would secure the inheritance and bring the seed into it on the ground of the death of Christ, which involved the complete setting aside of man. And in this way God had shown that all had been secured to Abram by indefeasible promise, on the ground of sacrifice. Abram fails in the test as to how far the light of these things had been made good in his soul. How solemn is Abram's defection here, as in the energy of nature he seeks to bring in the seed which had been unalterably secured by the immutable promise of a God that cannot lie. Yet this was the one who, at the moment the promise was given, hesitated not at the promise of God, but found strength in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he is able also to do, wherefore also it was reckoned to him as righteousness, Romans chapter 4 verse 20 to 22. But the true seed cannot be brought in on the principle of law. 
Hager, whose name means flight, suggests an order of things which must disappear as not ministering in any way to the pleasure of God, he takes away the first. That he may establish the second, for if that annulled was introduced with glory, much rather that which abides subsists in glory. It is rather remarkable that the turning aside of the Galatians is what we have presented to us in divine figure in Genesis chapter 16. It is an attempt to secure heirs for the favor and pleasure of God in an entirely fleshly way, in a worldly and legal way. The principle can be seen all around us today. It is the line of Hagar, a way in which the grace of God is ignored, and faith is not in exercise. How all this is contrary to the mind and will and purposes of God, whose will is to have heirs in the liberty of heavenly grace as those who are the true children of the Jerusalem above. Children of the free woman. The principle of which Hagar is a type supposes that the flesh can bring pleasure to God. It is significant that Abram should move in this line, and how striking the resemblance seen figuratively in Abram and what marked the Galatians morally. They were true believers, they had the spirit, yet they were taking up law and circumcision to make a fair show in the flesh. Which caused the beloved apostle to speak to them in language and terms which betray his great concern for them. Have you received the spirit on the principle of works of law, or of the report of faith? Are ye so senseless? Having begun in the spirit, are ye going to be made perfect in flesh? Galatians chapter 3 verse 2 and 3. The history of the children of Israel is extremely illustrative of the innate propensity of the human heart to gravitate towards legality with its resultant state of bondage. All God's ways with them in Egypt and the early days of the wilderness were intended to teach them that the grace of God was the one and only means of blessing. At the Red Sea, and in the early experiences of the wilderness, the manifestation of divine power on their behalf was the expression of his grace towards them, all their murmurings were met in purest grace and were not accompanied by governmental chastening in any way. One would have thought that all they experienced at the hands of their covenant-keeping God would have bound their hearts forever to his grace, but no. How readily they turned from this to take up responsibility in the flesh, fatally pledging themselves to keep the law, that which was God's righteous requirement of man. Only to find that all God had borne within grace now invoked the penal sanctions of a broken law. This chapter under consideration shows us in figure the coming in of the law, the bringing in of what is of the flesh, that which gives man in the flesh status before men, but which ends in bondage. The pride of man despises grace, and this is seen in Hagar's attitude to Sarai. When we come under the influence of Jerusalem above, we make everything of God and Christ, we magnify the grace of God. Rejoicing in the complete displacement of self and in the new place given to us in grace with Christ on the risen side of death. The whole system of heavenly grace is filled with Christ, the true Isaac, the Son of God. Hagar can only bring forth what the angel describes as a wild ass of a man. The adoption of the legal line leads to biting and devouring one another, as the apostle charges against the Galatians. The spirit of grace was lacking, the works of the flesh were greatly in evidence, and all this was the result of the will and pride of man being allowed. Hagar despised Sarai, the pride of the flesh despises the influence of grace, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these things are opposed one to the other, Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. It is only as we come under the power of the teaching of grace, applied by the Spirit of God, that the formative influences of the heavenly Jerusalem are made good in our souls. Walking in the spirit we shall in no way fulfill the flesh's lust, but shall display the fruits of the spirit, against which there is no law.
The influences of grace are brought to bear upon us by new covenant ministry, that which is the outcome of the love of God, supremely displayed in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. How necessary is it therefore that the bondwoman and her son should be cast out, the spirit of grace cannot tolerate what is legal, and what gives man a standing in the flesh. But though Hagar is cast out, she and her son become the objects of divine care in the grace of God. It is like the elder brother who would not come into the feast, he had the same proud spirit as Ishmael, yet the father went out and entreated him. What a striking picture of the nation of Israel, all the testings of the wilderness only provided the complete justification of God's pronouncements as to their moral condition, a disobedient and opposing people. A wild ass of a man, unsubdued. Like Ishmael, whose hand was against every man, and every man's hand against him, the apostles says of Israel, they please not God, and are contrary to all men. Yet, as having come from Abram, they are beloved for the father's sake. In this connection, how blessed to learn that God heard Hagar's cry, and provided for her refreshment the well of the living who was seen. God not only sees me, but has revealed himself in grace that I may see him. God has ever been the God of all grace, and what God is, is always the line of blessing for man. This is so now, when the heavenly seed are being gathered together, and it will be so in the day when he will gather the earthly seed to inherit their wonderful inheritance. Israel shall then come under the sweet subduing power of heavenly grace, the unsubdued heart of stone, that made them like Ishmael, will become a heart of flesh. They will then acknowledge Christ, whom they despised, as the true seed, the true Isaac. When our hearts this place accord him, when as Isaac he has come, cast the bondslave out and ruleth as the Lord upon his throne, then our hearts bow down before him, this world's glory waxeth dim. Every hindrance then must vanish, all be subject unto him.